Yeah. You are listening to the Robin of Sherwood podcast, season three, episode five, The Sheriff of Nottingham. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Robin of Sherwood podcast. My name is Sietse Wilban, and I created this podcast as a tribute to one of my favorite TV shows of all time called Robin of Sherwood. And each podcast, I pick one episode to discuss. And today, uh, I'm going to take a walk down the tunnel of the Sheriff of Nottingham, the episode, not the character. And still, it sounds very um, <laughs> weird to say that. Luckily, uh, I'm not doing that alone because I have a co-host Skyping in all the way from Denmark. And it's Gary Rhodes. So, Gary, welcome back to the show. Hi, it's nice to be here again. Yeah, but it's good to have you back on. Um, you made your podcasting debut last time. Did you get any uh, reactions to that from listeners or people you know? Oh, yeah. I got a couple. Uh, the first comment I got was from my wife, who complained that I didn't say that um, I met her through Robin O'Sherwood. Oh. So that was immediate feedback. Ooh, you're going to have to make that up to her. How did you meet your wife through Robin O'Sherwood? When I was involved in the conventions, my job was to run the website. And loads of people wrote to me, and she was just one of them. And we just headed off, and she came over and visited, and then I went over there, and so forth. We basically met in that way, so, wow. so I, I it was, it was very easy, actually. Well. Um, at that point, yeah, she's a little calmer now. Did, did you fall off the wagon? But, I mean, we used to go to all the locations and stuff, and it, it used to be a lot of fun. But she does still love Robin, and, just and, not and as you, much I as hope. me. I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I always remember, one of the things I remember was that when we did the 2003 one, when Judy came to it, we got to have a cup of tea with Judy. Just me, my wife, Judy, and her kids. And that was that was a big thing, because she loves Judy. So that was nice to see, you yeah, know. That's, that's, that's great. Cool. So um, now you've made that up uh, to her. Are you ready um, to do uh, today's episode, The Sheriff of Nottingham? Oh God, yeah, this should be an interesting one yeah. <laughs> on many levels. Yeah, I think so too. Um, in the last podcast uh, I did with Steph, we talked a bit about the order of the episodes in the third series. What's your opinion on that? I think that what it is, is with this episode in America, I believe it aired just after Rutterkin. So I would place it there. And if you look at what happens in the episode, it kind of fits because you're following... Um, basically the humiliation of King John in that episode, and then he reacts to it. So it does fit dramatically, I think, that he would then uh, do what he does in this episode. So yeah, I would set it around, what would that be, episode uh, 11? The episodes are fairly standalone. You know, you can dip in and out of any of them, for the yeah. most part. So it's not a problem, but I, I would have put it right at the end, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it should have been a, a bit later. Yeah. But, uh, if you look at the relationships and stuff, it, it works in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll uh, stumble upon some things that uh, that make it clear that perhaps it would have uh, been more fitting uh, to have this one later on. But uh, we'll see that when we get there. In the opening scene of this one, uh, we see how the Marys uh, tricked the sheriff in Gisborne. 
the Reno uh, thinks Robin and his men are hidden in a, a lot of hay on a cart. The carter is not taking him very seriously. Uh, people are laughing at the sheriff uh, while he searches the yeah. car, um, but he finds nothing. It's kind of I kind of think this is um, a lot like the scene in Witch of Elston, you know, where they stop the carter again. It kind of it kind of fits into that, but it's kind of played for laughs instead. It's it's very easy for the Marys, you know. They they almost seem to have to put no effort in whatsoever to do this. <laughs> Well, it's they, they, had to, they had to bring those uh, those monk uh, suits. And yeah, and they they kind of just run past or walk past, and it's it seems much easier than it's ever been before in the show. So it has a very different feel right from the start. You know, kind of a bit less uh, serious, I would say. Yeah, true. Um, and then again, uh, this is just the opening scene. Um, the story yeah. is not actually about them stealing the tax money what they are, are doing right here um, because while disguised as monks they walk right past the sheriff and he realizes uh, just too late that um, they are the outlaws people start laughing again uh, as the marys make their escape and uh, in that final shot uh, nicholas grace the actor who plays the sheriff does this thing where uh, one of his eyes almost pops out <laughs> how does he do that <laughs> Apparently, what it was was he was in something called Brideshead Revisited a few years before Robin, and the producers uh, really liked his performance and said, "Come in and play the sheriff." And he used to do this thing with his eyes, which the directors loved. <laughs> so it's clearly he was famous for that. So maybe the director just said, "Hey, Nick, do that thing with the eyes at the end of this." <laughs> Yeah. And it, it looks great <laughs> the way he does it. It, it, it is it a does. very funny um, opening. Yeah. It's an interesting talent he has. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, it does. And then uh, after the intro tune, um, we hear the Marys uh, pulling Much's leg a bit uh, when they're hanging out in Wickham. Uh, Robin and Marion uh, hand a year worth of taxes to Edward, the leader of Wickham. So everybody seems to be in a very good spirit. I will say this for Anthony Horowitz. He was very good at riding interplay between the Marys. You know, very, very good at getting to their characters and giving them all something to do. It's nice Edward and uh, Alison, his wife, have something to do as well. Um, back at the castle, uh, the sheriff, of course, blames Gisborne for the money getting stolen. But this time, Gisborne speaks up. 200 marks. 200 marks. My informant. Your informant, Gisborne. And how much did you pay for your information? My lord. You've made me the laughing stock of Nottingham, Gisborne. As well as losing me 200 marks. Why can't you forget Robin Hood? Forget him? You're mad. It's always Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Anyone would think he was the only wolf's head in Sherwood. But he is, Gisborne. The only one that matters. You made him what he is. Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. You're two sides of the same coin. What? You forget who you're speaking to. But it's true, isn't it? It's an obsession. A disease. And you'll never defeat him. Because he's part of you. Part of me? Get out of here, Gisborne. My lord. Get out! Get out! This is always a strange scene to me. And it seems way out of character 
that Gisborne, of all people, would say, why don't you just forget Robin Hood? And I remember the very first time I saw this when I was, I must have been about 15 or something, I thought, what? He's saying this? And the other day when I saw this episode again, my reaction was the same, perhaps a little more colorful language, but basically the same. I just think it's completely wrong for these characters, uh, specifically Gisborne, to say that. I mean, everything he's done is, I gotta kill Robin Hood. The last person who's gonna say, forget about Robin Hood is Guy of Gisborne. I yeah. get where you're coming from, but on the other hand, maybe this is the moment where Gisborne realizes that uh, Robin Hood isn't the only problem. The biggest problem is Robin Hood in combination with Robert Torino as the Sheriff of Nottingham. I mean, that, that's basically his point. You know, they're two sides yeah. of the same coin. Possibly, but then Gisborne is also um, two sides of the same coin. You know, he's he's equally uh, involved in this. That's right. It's, it's a weird-shaped coin, I think. Yeah, it's a three-sided coin, which is probably quite valuable. Yeah. And, but and, and but, I, I, I do think it's fitting that Gisborne is standing up to the sheriff more and more. I mean, well, I mean that ties into the next episode nicely. Again, it works better if you put it in its correct place. Shall we say correct place? Hopefully, yeah. as one of the last. Place, yeah. But again, it does seem out of character here for him to even think that. If you look at who he is, he's like he's dutiful. He believes in Norman power. He hates Robin Hood in any form. Would do anything to kill him, and just say, "Oh, forget about him." It just seems totally wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a nicely acted scene, but what they're actually saying just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Point taken. Um, then after this encounter uh, between the Reno and Gisborne, uh, the Guichard enters the castle. And uh, it turns out that the king has decided to dismiss the Reno as sheriff of Nottingham. Will, John and Much, they're really excited, saying they've finally beaten him. But uh, Robin, Marion and uh, Tuck, uh, they're not celebrating. Uh, Tuck informs them that the new sheriff is already on his way. Uh, and it's the notorious Philip Mark. Oh, yeah. Well... There are a couple of things that are interesting here. The first thing is um, is that de Giscard says that um, to still have Robin Hood in the forest after two whole years. So yeah. now you're thinking, well, which Robin Hood is he talking about? Does yeah. he mean uh, Loxley or Huntingdon? Yeah, I, I think he's talking about Huntingdon. Yeah, that makes sense if he goes over for two winters. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting uh, little aside. And yeah, and the other thing is Philip Mark, because he's an actual historical character, person, who was a great cr uh, crony of King John, apparently, and a vicious, nasty guy. After Magna Carta, I believe the barons, one of the things they said was, you've got to throw various people out of the country, and one of them was Philip Mark. They did not like that guy. So he was actually the sheriff of Nottingham, historically in about 1217 or whatever around that time so it is right in that regard so, um, so that's cool but then we see him um, uh, riding up and um, yep, and he, he arrives uh, yeah there's a, a masked uh, saracen that goes with him as yeah torturer executioner 
And um, when Nazir hears about it, he immediately knows that this Saracen is in fact called Sarak and that he has a history with him. But we'll, uh, we'll get to that later. Um, when you see uh, Philip Mark, who's, uh, who's been portrayed by uh, Lewis uh, Collins, and Sarak riding towards Nottingham, what, what's your impression of these two? Well, I mean, at this point, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, well, okay, this is, I don't like Sarak's costume. I will say that. I didn't no, really... He, he looks like, a bit like um, a guy who works with bees or something like that. Yeah, he looks like some kind of... Yeah, he just looks strange. And I think the name Serac as well. I think Star Trek, straight off. Hmm. Now, I don't know where they got the name from Star Trek from, or whether it's a reference. I doubt it very much. But I immediately think, Serac, where's Spock? <laughs> you know? I'm kind of thinking, oh, Spock's father is in this. That's kind of weird. What's he doing here? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't like Sarak's costume from the start. No, me neither. And what I absolutely hate is uh, Sarak's voice. When yeah, speak, I hate that. It sounds were... so unnatural and it's, it's, unrealistic. It's hugely camp, which works with the episode. But, yeah. I mean, Valentine Pelka... He was my brother. <laughs> Yeah. And you're kind of thinking, get some water, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do something. Maybe, maybe he can um, drink only uh, once a day because he has to remove the mask first. Yeah, yeah I don't know. And also, but would it's... that mask be very um, impractical when he has to fight? I, I think he can hardly look over his shoulder uh, wearing that thing. It's supposed to be the dramatic reveal, isn't it, where he pulls yeah. the mask off. But it's kind of, it just looks wrong to me personally it, uh, visually i mean i don't know anything about historically i will stress that point but you have a visual idea of how things should look in uh, these things and if it looks wrong in your mind you notice it and and, and how so, about uh, lewis collins appearance like the hair and the costume it looked fine to me i didn't i didn't really think about it i, I just always felt that his hair was a bit weird there seems to be a theme in season, in series three. I mean, Much had a similar hairstyle at the end of Hanson, and you're thinking, Much, what are you doing with that hair? <laughs> so there's obviously this thing for the gelled back look Yeah. in this year. I don't quite know. Well, at, at one point, Little John has uh, something on his head as well, but uh, that's for another yeah. episode. Yeah, that's, um, that comes along. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so like we just uh, uh, impersonated so very well. Um, Zarek has a um, conversation with uh, Philip Mark. Um, he immediately expresses his interest in Nazir. Uh, he tells, uh, like you said, that uh, he and Nazir were uh, were like brothers. Uh, they were assassins, guardians of the secret. Now I don't really know what mm -hmm. that means. I think maybe it's, that's the secret. Probably something to do with Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, and then Sarak um, uh, says he even taught Nazir how to fight. Sarak betrayed the order, and Nazir was uh, was sent after him. And then we see this happening in a flashback scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is an interesting flashback. I will say, the dead sheep is a really nice grisly touch, specifically on Blu-ray. And the um, the camel and the vulture. 
Yeah. They looked and, really and cool. The camel was uh, apparently uh, out of control on set. Like they had to really. Um, camels can be quite uh, weird, you know. Yeah, and this one was. Um, but for some reason they they shot this on like Western Superman Beach or whatever Barrow Beach. I don't know. And it, once you know that, it's kind of funny to think that they shot this in like a tourist town on a beach. Yeah, you can Probably. clearly see the ocean on, on on the background. Yeah, yeah. Probably surrounded by a lot of gawping onlookers having their fish and chips. <laughs> it it just it looks good. I will say that. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you have you have the curse of Blu-ray because you tend to notice little things, and there's a scene where Nasir rolls over, and you can see the modern grips on his boot that they added in series three because people were falling over in series one and two. Um, interestingly enough, there was a very similar scene, you know, in the Knights of the Apocalypse, the original script with Nazir, which was pretty much the same. I mean, obviously, they, they cut that scene, Kip wrote on the script that it was uh, optional. So it wasn't in the audio, but it's in the original script where he's sort of in a tent and there's a fight. Yeah. Also, uh, Nazir fights with just one sword this time. I believe because uh, Sarak uh, has the other one. Yeah, I like that, that he takes, I guess he takes the other sword, which is nice. Again, it's a nice little touch. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I do think that uh, some of it looks a bit um, outdated. Like the, the, the slow motion thing, the, the lady in the tent looking shocked at it and not doing anything. There's one thing about this episode that I noticed that I've never noticed before is that in parts it does look really dated and can I say cheap, which like if you look at series one and two, especially series two, like Swords of Wayland or whatever, it does not look in any way cheap. It looks like it cost an absolute bomb. Um, and in some of these episodes, I guess because the budget was tighter, it does look cheap. And in some of these shots, it does. I have a theory that the slow motion thing is because they needed to make the time up, you know, for the episode to run. And in later episodes, they use it quite a lot in one particular one. And I suspect, again, it's kind of like, oh, we've, we're two minutes short. How can we lengthen this episode? Let's let's just slow stuff down and say it's artistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Or, or, or it could be like an artistic choice by the director, who's uh, yeah. Christopher King for this one. Some of it is really on the ball and right for me. And some of it is like I'm kind of thinking, what were you smoking when you thought of this yeah. you know what, what what were you thinking here yeah. <laughs> and that goes through a number of episodes yeah. but it's easy to look back 40 years later and point out mistakes of course and then we see that apparently uh, Sorak taught Nazir how to fight but he did not uh, teach him uh, to check if his victim was really dead or not this is a problem with students is that they don't go to all the lectures <laughs> see so clearly instead of doing that one he went to the pub or something and didn't just say hey right what you do is you you feel for a heartbeat or even better just stab him again and if yeah. he moves keep stabbing him until he stops yeah. well he, but, he didn't move anymore that's, that's, uh, no he got know. that bit right but maybe he didn't want to kill him maybe he yeah. thought well I'll that leave comes him. later on so yeah it, it, maybe he thought look 
he's kind of like, feels like my brother, I'll leave him alive. Yeah. Give him a chance to just disappear. Um, so uh, Nazir leaves Iraq for dead. But later on, he turns out to be fine, except for um, this scar on his face. And for mm. some reason, Nazir leaves uh, behind a sort of a medallion before he takes off. Yeah, that kind of ties into the idea that um, he knows Sarag's still alive. So that does work if you look at it from that um, perspective, yeah. shall we say? Or, or it could have been like a gift for the lady who's still in the tent now left mm. all by herself in the desert with just a camel and a dead sheep. Yep, nothing will make her feel better at that point than being given jewelry. <laughs> 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 and uh, as, as Sarek says about this encounter, um, he ruined me. I thought, mm. well, did he? He gave, he beat you and gave you his car. But apart from that, he could just, you know, go on with mm. the rest of his life. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what his grievance is no. in that regard. He ruined me. Mm. It must just mean he he scarred me. Yeah. True. Yeah. And, and, and to me, this whole, this whole sequence feels a bit like a, a leftover from the Nazir backstory uh, in The Greatest Enemy. Yeah, I mean, it is a nice backstory. The thing with Nazir as a character is the more you know about him, the less interesting he becomes, hmm. I think. He's kind of like Clint Eastwood in his early westerns. And... I suspect that Nazir is sort of comes out of that tradition of kind of samurai movies. And we talk about that in a bit because it is yeah. a, a big thing that comes up later. But those kind of guys who kind of wander the land and get into adventures and don't have a lot of um, dialogue like famous characters like in the Sanjuro movies, for example. I don't know how familiar people are with samurai movies. So if I come out with a, if I come out with the name of a movie, I'll try and explain what it is and why it's um, relevant to what I'm talking about instead of just expecting people to know, ah, I know exactly what he means. But like, well, I uh, think- uh, Personally, I, I don't mind the, the backstory of Nasir. I just think it's a shame that it's been like cut in half. Yeah, I think it would have been better to have one storyline in one episode about um, his Yeah, past. I mean, the problem they've got is that, like, it's always going to be about Robin, you know? Then Nowadays, you could go off and do a whole episode just on this, yeah, because you've got, like, 20 of them or whatever. But back then, it's it's like Robin Hood-specific. So he has to be more or less central in every story. Yeah. For the most part. Perhaps. And of um, course, they had to whip but, up um, The Greatest Enemy pretty quickly. So that's probably yeah. why they just tied in a bit of Nazir's backstory. I mean, the only bit of backstory I remember about Nazir is in the uh, Writer's Bible. You know, that they issued. Um, they said he was a prince in his own land, you know. Which is um, something they never went into, and I don't know how relevant it would have been had they yeah. but again just a little interest in uh, tidbit there yeah so meanwhile um the new sheriff um oh no um, back in the forest first there's a scene 
um, between uh, Robin and Marion. Marion is frustrated that nothing uh, ever really changes, and uh, she says she knows how this all will end. Doesn't she sound like her father there? If you look at the episodes that um, Sir Richard's in, he's in Prophecy and Hanson, and in all of them he says there's only one way it can end. I mean, so it's interesting she says that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can see here, again, Robin's naivety as to how it how it can end. Yeah, it just doesn't occur to him that it could all go wrong. And Marion, of course, and surprisingly, not the rest of the Marys, but Marion specifically tells him, no, this could go bad. I've yeah. been there, so which I think is a lovely scene, you know, between them. As I said, I mean, Horowitz was great at writing the characters. Not always plots, but certainly interplay between characters was uh, was really good the whole time. And um, in the scene after that, uh, we see the new sheriff, Philip Mark, uh, entering Nottingham Castle, um, immediately uh, offending the old sheriff, the Reno. And um, he also starts uh, flirting with Gisburn a bit. <laughs> There's some interesting dialogue here. It's quite funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, what it's I not like very, about... very subtle, I think. No, I mean, I think what it is is just they're just having a laugh because they know that most of it will go over the kids' heads who are watching it. Yeah, it's sure. interesting to see Gisborne's face as well and how he looks at Direno and he kind of has that um, schadenfreude. Do you know that? Yeah. Uh, there's also a great song about it. In a, a musical called uh, Avenue Q. Schadenfreude. <laughs> I've not heard it. Okay. Why, why, did, I but, I mean, <laughs> why did I start yeah. this on the podcast? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely is. And then uh, Philip Mark uh, explains his plan to catch uh, Robin and the Marys. Um, he wants to start like a, a reign of terror amongst the people. So they'll be too afraid to support Robin Hood anymore. And uh, to illustrate this tactic, uh, he lets Sirak uh, kill a prisoner. <laughs> and it's, it's a bit of a clumsy scene, I think. Well, I mean, I watched this scene and I thought this was the first time that Robin of Sherwood, in terms of how weapons are used, became truly silly. You know, because generally they have the magical aspects and that can be silly or not depending on your point of view but in terms of the fight scenes they generally kept them fairly realistic yeah. and this one now i don't know how possible that actually is to draw a sword and throw it if i had to guess i would say it's really difficult because you have to have long enough arms to pull the sword out of the scabbard turn it point in the right way and throw it yeah so I would guess it's impossible, or difficult at least. I won't say for certain. It looks cool, but it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Just have him or, throw a knife. Or maybe it just shows that just how skilled Sorak actually is. Possibly. Yeah. What, what struck but, me more I mean, was that um, at one uh, shot we see Sorak, and there's all uh, there's a lot of smoke behind him. And those are the things, some just some uh, artistic choices that I think are just a bit overdramatic and, and pulls me out of the story. And I just think, well, first the slow motion, now a lot of smoke to make him look more impressive. It's not really my mm. style. Sometimes it can work and sometimes it can't. For me, uh, in, in this case, it, it, it doesn't really work, but it's just a, just a minor detail. 
I think they were they were going for Arte, and it, it just jarred. I think. And the idea of, like, basically killing peasants. Now, this is how I understand it historically, you know. The sheriff needs the peasants in order to make money, so the idea of killing them all and keeping killing them all is a bad idea. Reno even explained this to Gisborne at one point. I can't yeah. remember what episode it was, but then he... Yeah, yeah it's in Alan Dale. And, yeah, and I think Kip when he was writing, really understood how medieval England worked much better than um, Anthony Horowitz did. So it's kind of funny. I mean, dramatically it works. I, I, I kind of yeah. buy that a new guy comes in, has a different approach. And also mm, I believe... Very that, that, different. That, <laughs> that, I also believe that fear is like the main theme of this episode. Kind of get what he's going for by... Uh, making people too afraid to support Robin Hood. And, um, I mean, it, it would work if you could do that. Yeah. You know, it probably would work. Because you see it in a little bit in this episode and in Children of Israel, for example, where the villagers are too afraid to help the outlaws when they need them. So it is a theme throughout the series that is uh, covered. So, and, um, yeah, it could work. Yeah, G Gisborne seems to like the plan. Um, he tells uh, the new sheriff that uh, Wickham is most closely associated with Robin Hood. Um, and so the next day, that's where they go. And uh, once again in this series, uh, we hear uh, a young boy uh, shouting, uh, Father, Father, uh, as the soldiers um, get close to the village. So Gisburn, Tarak and soldiers, they show up. They trample the crops and uh, they round up the villagers. They take three men and three women, including uh, Edward's wife, Alison. And uh, they say the prisoners will die uh, the very next day unless uh, Robin turns himself in. I think that's that's kind of optimistic. Realistically, they have to find Robin. He has to turn himself in. It's interesting as well, looking at it now, how much uh, Edward's wife has to do in this episode. She really is quite a large part. And I, I began to wonder whether she's actually been built up for series four. Yeah, because be. she has so much to do in this episode and a little bit in the next one. Um, so we see uh, Sarak handing uh, the medallion that uh, we've seen before uh, uh, to Edward and uh, yeah. tell him to pass it on to uh, to Nazir. 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 Um, <laughs> and now what I liked as well is that, I mean, this sounds a bit harsh, but I like the fact that you saw him actually beat Edward up and Edward actually seemed hurt, you know? Yeah. And he seems in pain. It's this kind of strange mix of reality in this episode. You can hit someone and they'll keel over, but then they'll go and hit a guard in the face and the guy will just be knocked senseless and, or they'll hit him. And People have different levels of pain in this show depending on what the plot is, yeah, what they need to do to make the story work. Yeah, that's true. Um... Which they didn't have in earlier episodes. Again, it's a difference in tone, but it is a nice uh, scene, I think, apart from the Sarak voice yeah. again. You can you can go too far, and I think that's what they did with Sarak here. I, I just wish he'd talk normally. I mean, if you see Valentine Palker in Highlander, for example, he speaks normally, and it's fine. You know, he's really good in it. And they, they easily could have overdubbed this one because... Um, he's wearing the mask, so you wouldn't even see the difference with uh, the movement of his mouth. No. 
No, just have him Apparently, say the lines time, with they liked the way with they... an accent. Yeah. You know, just have him say the lines fairly normally in a normal voice, but the voice just it just screams out of the television at you. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, shut up, stop <laughs> talking now. You know, you're just annoying me. One interesting story I will tell about this um, episode about uh, Valentine Pelka was that he was cast in Highlander out of it. And what it was was a friend of mine who was a big Robin fan used to run the Highlander fan club. And she knew the producer of Highlander because she got official status to do it. She said, like, you should cast some guys from Robin or Sherwood in Highlander. And they tried to get Michael Pride, but for some reason he wouldn't do it. He turned it down. And they got they watched Sheriff of Nottingham and they really liked Valentine Pelka, so they cast him as uh, Kronos out of this episode. Wow. So he did well out of this episode. He was in quite a few Highlander and became really popular as a villain through it. So, yeah, so someone, some good came out of this episode, yeah. at least. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So um, then the Mary show up in uh, Wickham. Immediately, it seems that uh, Philip Mark is uh, his, uh, his plan is working. Uh, some of the villagers uh, turn against uh, the Marys, showing up with a with a pitchfork and uh, wanting him to uh, wanting to turn him in. Uh, yep, Will the villagers them. with their pitchforks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. One thing I did find funny was that think of this: they run into the village, and Matthew is taking them there. And if you think of what happened in Greatest Enemy, where Matthew took them to the village, I'd be kind of like, oh, guys, let's just be a little more cautious here. But they uh, they run straight in there with the, no worries. What I love in this scene is when uh, Will is uh, confronting the angry villagers, that uh, little John is standing behind him. With a yeah. Fierce yeah. look on his face. Pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> it's It's... Again, it, it's great how quickly the villagers always turn against the Marys and how precarious their uh, relationship is. Yeah. I do like that as a theme. So uh, Robin decides uh, to leave and uh, he promises to return the prisoners. Edward joins the Marys because he wants to save his wife. Meanwhile, in the castle, uh, Robert Reno is uh, doubting the plan, uh, but Philip Mark is certain of it. Also, he suggests that uh, Reno should leave to perhaps uh, join his brother, the abbot. And then uh, the Rainer loses his temper, calling the sheriff a posturing catamite, a phrase uh, Nick Grace apparently came up with him, uh, came up with himself. Then Philip uh, Mark also loses his temper. He holds a knife to uh, the old sheriff's throat. And uh, then he banishes him. Yeah, Gisborne. Gisborne seems pleased at this. That is quite funny. Yeah. Yep. And out he goes. Yep. Already in the forest, of course, is uh, is Robin. Uh, he's considering to turn himself in back in the dungeon of the castle. We see Alison, like he said, she plays quite a big role here. She's lifting yeah. um, the spirits of her fellow prisoners in the dungeon by expressing her strong belief in Robin Hood. And uh, I think this is pretty important because it counterbalances what happened in the village where people really quickly turned against Robin and, well, she uh, keeps her faith. So that's pretty uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, it is, it is a really nice scene. And the actress who plays the part does a good job. 
Um, so yeah, it's nice to have another another woman in in the show. It's still doing better than Star Wars. At least there's more than one woman in Nottingham. So that's good. Well, Star Wars, Star Wars is making up for that now as well. Oh, yeah. But they certainly are. That's for another time. So um, then we cut to the sheriff. Uh, well, the old sheriff, Robert Torino, um, who's been left alone in the forest. He has a bit of a similar um, experience that Gisborne had in uh, The Lord of the Trees. And uh, in this scene where he kind of panics in the vo- forest, uh, we hear some of the same music that is used in the Swords of Wayland, which mm. I don't really like because I love the Swords of Wayland and this one uh, quite a bit less. So why do there is a little bit of um, money saving going on. And I thought as well, there's a really amazing bit where he runs into some spider webs. And I thought, boy, I'd hate to see the spiders that did that. I mean, I would freak out personally. I hate spiders. I did think it funny that Direno just doesn't go to his brother straight off. Just walk down the road, man. Don't, never leave the path. Just walk down the road. But anyway. Um, so then uh, yeah. Direno runs into Robin and his men, and uh, they uh, they capture him. Uh, Will uh, threatens to kill Direno. But, um, well, he has something to offer, a secret tunnel into the castle. Yeah. Um, mm. Which, of course, uh, sparks their interest because they were already wondering how to <laughs> save the prisoners. Yeah. I mean, the scene between Will and the sheriff is a lot like the scene between Will and uh, Hugo in Prophecy, you know. It's yeah, it's basically right. Will threatening this guy. Will, Will is like... Um, the bad cop when you have to uh, interrogate somebody. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Purpose. Yeah. So, after yeah, that, he does um, his uh, Robin and Nazir have an interesting conversation about his uh, upcoming confrontation with uh, Serac. And that's the scene I chose to uh, highlight from this episode. You have to fight him. I know. But, but what? I fear him. No, that's not true. In all the time that you've been with us, you've never been afraid. Not of anyone. He was your friend. You didn't want to kill him. That's why you didn't finish it. Not because you feared him. You have to do it, Nazir. Not for you, but for all of us. He was my brother. He taught me. You're one of us. We'll be with you. You have to fight him. And you have to win. I will. So, I mean, if I hadn't have chosen the other one, I would have chosen this scene. So I'm glad you chose it. It's oh, really? a, it is a great scene between the two of them, I think. It really is, uh, gets to the heart of their characters. And it's just a nice moment between the two. It's, it's the most lines uh, Nazir ever had, I think. Also, we see um, Robin's style of leadership. And also, it's about this theme of fear. 
like I said before, I think that that runs through the episode a bit. And uh, well, here here they talk about it. Nazir being afraid, admitting it. Yeah, I mean he does that as well in Rotokin, I think. There's a great scene in Rotokin, not to go too far into other episodes here, where Mudge says something like, Nazir, do you, are you afraid? And he kind of nods. So, I mean, it's nice that it's expounded upon here a little more. Yeah, true. So, and yeah. Then, well, apparently Mudge is really good at asking questions because uh, right after this, there's another great <laughs> moment uh, when Mudge asks Reno why uh, he hates him so much. And then the former sheriff um, delivers an excellent speech, don't you think? It is a very interesting speech. I mean, it is fairly... I kind of wish that the sheriff had said, look, you guys, you you cause more harm than you stop, you know? You rob me, I have to raise the taxes, the people suffer. I would kind of like to have seen a little bit of, well... What are the negative points of what you're doing? But it is a nice scene, you know. It's really nicely written and really nicely uh, acted between them all. It's one of those scenes that everyone seems to love, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it as well. I, I almost picked this one to, to, to throw in there, but I thought we already <laughs> I had a moment. Would probably sheriff. have been... It was on my list, you know, as one of the scenes, because it is one of those classic, iconic scenes that people remember. Yeah, I hate you, know? you for what you are and what you stand for. What I hate most about you is the legend that surrounds you. And I love the way that Robin replies really calm and saying, uh, you haven't told us the real reason you hate us so intensely. You're afraid of us. So yeah, yeah and again, the fear thing. Fear. Yeah, yeah, it really fits nicely together. Yeah, so um, after that, we see uh, Nazir taking off on his own, ready to face uh, Sarak. And the next day, the Marys and the Reno go to the secret tunnel. <laughs> I really love the, the, the comedy in the tunnel. Very well done. Uh, John the bumps sh- his head. Yeah. Marion says uh, sh- uh, she thought she heard something, but it must have been a rat, to which uh, John replies, the castle is full of them. Pretty funny <laughs> remark. Um, Tuck is afraid uh, he's getting stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's... Uh, um, didn't like they you, film this, said the sh- this thing? Apparently, this tunnel is actually a place you can visit, and it's in the Bristol docks. I think they built it in, like, when they had the slaves or something, and they used to keep slaves in there. And Phil Rose used to say that you could actually see the the hand marks, you know, where they'd scratched the wall. So it was quite an interesting um, location that they shot at, I believe. And I think it's boarded off now, so I don't think you can visit it. But it's actually it's actually by the side of the docks somewhere. Hmm. So they didn't go very far to find this place. No, that's, that's pretty pretty convenient. Um, yeah. That's a trick because uh, then we see uh, Robin entering the castle first. Um, <laughs> Allison, one way or another, senses that uh, the hooded man is coming. That's, uh, yeah. That's Again, they're kind of weird. One thing I didn't notice was how easily he lifted that flagstone. You know, I have limited experience of this, but I can tell you those things are heavy, you know, but he, he has no problem lifting it up. And I kind of thought that was funny. Hey, he has the power of light and darkness. Yeah. And um, good arm muscles, clearly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There you go. Yeah. And then the others, they, uh, they follow Robin into the castle. They knock out two guards, drop him into the tunnel. 
um, but much doesn't get enough time to close the secret entrance uh, properly. And uh, that way, uh, Gisburn discovers the tunnel. When he has to put it down again, it's really heavy. Why did yeah. they leave much to do that? I mean, little John could have done I, it with one finger. I will say this for this scene, this whole scene in the castle, is that there seems to be a thing with, like, much here. Because they leave him to uh, put the flagstone back. And then they leave him to just fight a guard while the rest of them go and put a ladder in a hole which only takes one guy and I'm thinking guys cover your exits here you know yeah. where's your strategy if any more gods come in you're basically in a the corner they're gonna catch you you need to have people in places they can fight yeah because and, well, that's exactly what happens uh, yeah they're, they're trapped and I'm kind of thinking guys We've been through this before with Power of Albion strategy. Yeah, yeah you've, it's not like they're newcomers to this outlaw thing. Come on, do your That's jobs. True. <laughs> That's true. But, um, but of course, uh, yeah. the newcomer um, was the, the new sheriff. Uh, he's very pleased with himself and with Gisburn, saying the legendary words, you must show me this tunnel of yours. Well, yes, not, one uh, of the classic uh, lines. Yeah, there. Let's not go into that one. Um, literally yeah and then we see uh, the reno trying to save his skin by saying that it was his plan to catch uh, the outlaws this way um, mm. but he gets uh, thrown into the dungeon for treason anyway and there's another really funny scene uh, where he meets the old man in the dungeon and his red author uh, yeah hilarious dialogue uh, ending with his uh, most important questions uh, when are they going to change the straw <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was the line that Stuart Linden used to uh, ride on autographs, you know, sometimes really? when we had him at the conventions. Not feet first. And, uh, sometimes, but um, when are you going to change the straw was like a classic line. Right. And sometimes he'd ride it on whatever you were getting him to sign, which was really sweet. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And uh, at the same time, somewhere near a lake, uh, Nazir and Sarak meet up. Now, I have no idea uh, when they agreed on this time and place, but apparently... No, because they, they didn't have mobile phones, one assumes, or even a post office. But somehow they know to meet in this spot. Yeah, and, and that's a problem that could have been easily avoided if Sarak just had said to Edward, um, uh, pass we, on this message can... to Nazir, of tell Nazir to meet me yeah. tomorrow... Uh, yeah, sunrise yeah. at this place or whatever. Bring a red sash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I will say this, but that scene when they meet is like the swaying grass. My mind immediately went to there's a very famous Japanese film called Onibaba, which translates as something like swaying grass, and it starts with a shot of grass like that, and it's about samurai, and it's really cool. So I immediately thought, ah, they're referencing that, and it's it looks really great when Nazir comes through the, the tall grass. That looks fantastic. And then another scene that it really reminded me of, another samurai film, was Harakiri, which means... Uh, it translates as uh, belly slitter, which... Um, when they cut the stomach and there's a famous scene in that a famous fight scene and it just looked exactly like that to me so whether they were referencing it, those films visually or not i don't know but 
I mean, what do we see straight after? We see a sword box and they pull out the samurai swords, so it's yeah. possible. Interestingly enough, historically, the swords basically came from China. The Japanese didn't start making their own swords for a couple of hundred years after this, as I understand it, and I'm not a historian, so if it's wrong, then I'm sorry. Um, the Japanese used to import swords from China, but at that point, the samurai used to fight with uh, bows. They didn't bother with swords. They were bowmen, mostly. I don't know if those style of swords would have existed in some form. I think the Japanese actually decided that the swords should be curved, and I think the Chinese had straight swords. So they probably wouldn't have existed, come to think of it, until a few hundred years after. Uh, Terry Walsh used to say that he hated this scene, and if had he been there, they would not have fought with samurai swords. He absolutely despised it. Uh, Terry Walsh was the stunt coordinator, for anyone who doesn't know. But yeah, he hated it. He hated the whole thing. If the sword box has Arabic writing on it, which apparently translates as uh, acceptance of death is better than loss of faith, for a very nerdy little fact there. So yeah, they go into this fight and they uh, they have these nice red sashes. And my wife pointed out it's nice of them to oil themselves for the fight. And you kind of wonder. I didn't notice this, but it looks like they've really gone to town with the with the body oil for this scene. Yeah. They did they just do each other or what? When the mind well, starts it, it, to boggle. It does have a yeah. bit of a homoerotic vibe, I think, especially in the, yeah. in the final the, close up with their faces really close to the, each other. The thought the of them rubbing the oil on each other's backs is just too horrifying to to think about <laughs> in Robin O'Sherwood. We hear some um, sorts of Wayland music that kind of throws me off. Mm. Yeah, it's remixed. Yeah, and um, now, in the end, the yeah. outcome of the fight um, isn't really clear because um, before we can see what actually happens, uh, we cut to the castle and there yeah. we see uh, the Guichard and Philip Mark and Gisburn getting ready for the execution of Robin and his men. And then uh, Serac arrives just in time to perform this task. And uh, like before, Philip Mark uh, gives Robin a chance against uh, Serac. But of course, it's not really Serac, but it's Nazir under the mask. And uh, he yep. throws his sword at Sheriff Philip, uh, killing him uh, instantly. And it, it's a bit strange because this is the second time Robin is up against Nazir without knowing it. So it is. As I said, I mean, there's a lot of uh, things here that kind of repeat. Yeah, you know? that's true. And uh, together they uh, they start a big fight. Uh, Robin throws Gisborne in the water. Uh, little John knocks out a soldier lying on a table. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy. As we said at the start, at this point, it's very easy for the Marys. It's almost no challenge at all. They can fist fight their way out of Nottingham like, like it's the end of Blazing Saddles or something. <laughs> And you kind of have to think, well, why is this not more difficult? You know, there's a lot of soldiers there. The soldiers have swords. The Marys are unarmed for the most part. It should be very difficult to get out of there, but it's yeah, not. But they're they're, they're and, really good fighters and um, they capture yeah. the Guichard. So I think in the end, that's, that's what really gets them out because Robin shouts, uh, stop. Of the fight. Yeah, that might be it. I mean, I think it's funny that they kill off Philip Mark. 
I don't know how the historical Philip Mark actually died, but I doubt it's been have a sword thrown at him by a ridiculous Saracen. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> so back in the forest, um, there's this moment between Robin and Marion, and uh, Robin admits that he didn't know that it was Nazir and not Sarak. Uh, he just had to trust Nazir on this one. Well, mm. he basically didn't have any choice, but uh, but still. He has a line where he says, I live in hope, which always struck me funny because that was a town near where I used to live. <laughs> yeah, there's a town there called Hope. And I thought, what? What does he mean? And that's quite near us. And then it took me a second the first time I watched it to realize exactly what he meant. But yeah, I mean, don't you think it is kind of an emotional shift here from the scene before where Marion at this point is really happy, whereas before she was kind of saying there's only one way it can end and it's kind of, it's the totally polar opposite of that here. It's yeah. a nice ending, it's a great scene and it is very upbeat, but emotionally it, it doesn't fit, I don't think, as to where where we're going with this show. Yes, somewhere in between Marion has lost her fear, I, I suppose. Yeah, and that, that does work, I guess, later on with Time of the Wolf when they have that scene where he says, you, you're free now, I can see it in your eyes, or whatever the dialogue is, I can't quote it exactly. But yeah, it does kind of fit. So there is, if you can put the episodes in the right order, it does kind of work a lot better. Yeah, that's you know? that's true, and and, and it's, uh, I think it's really great to see there's some real chemistry between um, those two characters. Yeah, they do really work well together, you know, yeah. as actors and as characters. I think a lot of people are kind of saying, "Oh, he should run off with his adora," but I think they do have uh, a good chemistry, Robin yeah. and Marion. In in this scene, they, they certainly do. Um, yeah, in 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 fact, uh, at the end, they're almost kissing yeah like, uh, Nazir that... and Sirak, uh, b- before yeah but a little more palatable for 1980s kids tv yeah. <laughs> so... yeah. but and, i uh, honestly thought yeah. i honestly thought that this would be the last shot you know because it kind of has the look of a final shot and it's a great shot at the end with the two of them. So, it could have been. But we have another scene. The episode is called The Sheriff of Nottingham. So there's one more thing that has to be resolved. Because in the castle, um, the Reno is spinning uh, the events in his advantage. Um, he says um, the Guichard is responsible for letting Robin Hood escape. Um, he says, well, uh, you uh, escorted him to the exit. Basically strikes a bargain because he says uh, the king never needs to know. In return, he gets back his position as uh, as a sheriff. And I like the idea of uh, King John not knowing anything about this because King John was a kind of micromanager, apparently. He used to know everything about everything, Hmm. which I think is a good thing to talk about in Rotokin. So we should save that one for, for later. You can't end the Sheriff of Nottingham episode without that, my lord sheriff. Ah... It's yeah. it's the perfect ending, really. Yeah. Um, and also, we can't end the podcast without and handing out uh, one to five arrows for the episode we've just discussed. You know, I will say about this episode, I will say it's as an hour of television, it's hugely entertaining. As a Robin Hood story, 
for me, it's okay. As a Robin of Sherwood episode, it doesn't work personally. I think it's, if you look at series one and two and the tone of it, we're a long way from where we were, from where we started. So as as a Robin of Sherwood episode, I will be really harsh and give it one. It is too out there for me personally. I would give it somewhere between two and a three. I just made up my mind and decided to give it a two. But then again, now that you're giving it just a one, I'm thinking it might just scrape another one. I'm going to have to be honest. I say it's a it's a two. So that makes it a one and a half arrow. Um, in, in, yeah, in total, as I said. It makes it the lowest scored uh, we've, uh, we've done. I think it's more of a... Uh, the problem is more the, the choices the director has made than the way it was written. Because I, I, I can see this work if the whole style of it would have been a bit different, the whole approach. I think I think with a few a bit more realistic yeah, instead of really a few creative top. choices could have really saved it, and maybe yeah. it'd go up to a three, maybe even a four. The basic and, idea that. Uh, I, I like that, you know, the, the the Marys and the sheriff having to work together for once. That that's great, and the whole tunnel thing. Yeah, I, I I can buy that, but not the way it's been portrayed here. Anthony Horowitz is a writer at this point, at this point in his career. He's a young guy. He's got one of the biggest geeks on television. It must have been absolutely fantastic. He's very good at coming up with great ideas, you know. Yeah. He's good at writing the interplay between the Marys, but what he's not good at is plotting it properly. And it might be because he was young and there wasn't time. Yeah. You know, it's like and then, and then I the don't know. Is handed to a new di uh, director who hasn't done the show before. I don't know how long the directors had, you know, to come in and storyboard it all and prep. I would imagine a very short time, so they're working extremely quickly on this thing so you can see how the mistakes would have uh, crept in there it's a disappointing episode still i want to thank you for uh, talking robin of sherwood uh, with me again oh it's uh, it's always a pleasure absolute fun to come and do and of course i want to thank bram Brouwers for playing our theme music and everybody out there listening to the podcast if you have anything to say to us perhaps why this episode deserves a better score uh, please send an email to surewoodpodcast at gmail.com or find us on facebook.com slash surewoodpodcast for now thanks for listening and may Hearn protect you why'd you wait us much. No, I want to know. He's always after us with this scheme or that. Wanted to hang me once. Why? What's so special about us? I'll tell you, if you really want to know. Tell me. I hate you for what you are. And what you stand for. There's a difference, isn't there? You're outlaws, thieves, murderers. You stand for freedom, for justice, for the people. I hate you because you think so highly of yourselves.
Look at you, living in this squalor, dispossessed, doomed, but you refuse to see it. What I hate most about you is the legend that surrounds you. What are you? A motley crew, an earl's son, a nobleman's daughter, a giant. A bully boy. Peasants and simpletons. And yet the people look up to you and even respect you. Why? I'll kill him. If he don't shut up now, I'll kill him. But you haven't told us the real reason why you hate us so intensely. Yes? You're afraid of us. <laughs> 